And uh, I, I want to uh, address tonight, uh, in a general sort of way, uh, a hot topic. Can I do that? I don't like to deal with hot topics. Uh, and for those that knew me as a pastor, they probably are chuckling because it seemed like I was always hitting on on the, the, the things that are really people are really having problems with uh, in, in our society. But uh, from the eyes of a, of a preacher, um, things do not look uh, all that uplifting when it comes to the comes to the direction of our churches today as we continue to see uh, the world uh, having such a power having such an influence on the church that the church no longer has the power or the influence over the world let me just say the, uh, this to you before I start um, I uh, I'm not that old, but I did have an opportunity to be on the end of, a, of an era where we honored women, uh, that we had great regard and respect for women. I remember as a, as a boy when a woman would come into the room that men stood up. I remember when I was a boy and uh, I was with my grandpa out on the sidewalk, and a woman approached my grandpa. I don't remember what it was for, but my, my grandpa took his hat off in respect to a woman. I remember as a boy when a woman approached a door and a man was close enough to that door, they made an effort to open that door for the woman. Boy, how we have changed with regard to womanhood. Uh, um, I remember the, um, uh, the uh, commercial, uh, cigarette commercial. They used to show cigarette commercials on TV. And Benson and Hedges was one of the cigarette commercials I remember seeing. And they said under their caption, You've come a long way, baby. And to get where you got to today. And you've got your own cigarette now, baby. Well, I know women have come a long way, but it's not the way in which God intended for them to go. I've seen, uh, I've seen conservative principles that were, uh, that were weaved into the very fiber of our society that is not there today where men played the role of man. Not play-acted, but they played their role as a man. They were, they were responsible. They took the responsibility of marriage extremely seriously. They, uh, uh, the two roles that was primary uh, in families was men to be the providers and the protectors. I, I see very little of that today. I see that uh, the very hub of a family is is uh, is surrounded by the woman. Uh, that mom, that that wife, is so vitally uh, important part of the family unit. I don't see that much anymore. And I'm what I'm saying here has absolutely, in one way, nothing to do with the with the subject matter uh, that we're going to talk about, other than this. The subject matter that we're going to talk about tonight has experienced great changes over the years. And it's not only concerning to me as a preacher, but it's very alarming to see how, how effective this subject matter is to the church today. Uh, would you say that the church is more spiritual or less spiritual today than it was 100 years ago? Certainly less. Would you say the church is less powerful or more powerful in our day? I'm talking about the Spirit of God's power on the church. It's less. Uh, that's not by accident, folks. We have promises in the Word of God that tell us that God is going to use His church to reach the world with the gospel and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what that means, don't you? 
It doesn't mean you hang a sign outside and just hanging the sign has such power in it that everybody's just going to come into the church house. That means that uh, we as believers uh, have the power of God to reach people with the gospel. We, matter of fact, we are to reach them all the way to the very gates of hell, as the Bible says. It's talking about evangelization. It's not talking about invitation. <laughs> and so, uh, um, but we've changed so much. Our churches are anemic at best today. Uh, most believers today, their walk with God is um, irregular. Let's just put it that way. And here's what the sad thing is. We're kind of content where it's at. My. I don't know if this era of, that we're in is, is like is like the uh, uh, the Laodicean church, but boy, it seems to me it's very, very close. No lukewarmness today. Just our care less th- uh, about the things of God and care more about the things of the world is very, very troubling, is it not? It ought to be to everybody. And that troubling ought to start in our own hearts. We ought never to become content with our spiritual walk. We should never. But the world has an agenda. And the devil has an agenda. And he is, uh, he is uh, doing well tonight. Let me just announce to you that the devil's not dead. He's alive and doing very well. Matter of fact, he's doing better at his, on his agenda than God's people are on following Christ. And uh, because of that, our churches today are suffering terribly, and the end result of that is that our, uh, we have less and less of an impact in our society and uh, on the souls of men. Men used to equate God with the church. Not so much anymore. When, uh, uh, when I would, uh, 20 years ago, and go out witnessing, or 30 years ago, go out witnessing, began to share the gospel, the first thing they would ask me is, where do you go to church at? Where's your church located? When I, when I witness today, it's, there's not any of that conversation going on, which tells me that the world at one time equated church with God. Now, why isn't the world equating church with God today? Could it be? I like answer, uh, asking and answering my own questions, so hang on here. Could it be that there's not much difference between the world and the church? Very possible. One of the reasons I believe that the church is becoming more and more like the world is because they of the adopting of what they're uh, of what's what the church is bringing in uh, from the world. One of those things is music. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight on the subject of music. Very, very controversial. Um, over the years, I've made some, some real serious enemies of people that claim the name of Christ. So I know, um, based on experience, that uh, this topic may not be received very well. So let me just say to you that um, I'm certainly not talking about this su- subject tonight to to, to uh, increase my enemies. Uh, I've got enough of them. I'd like to be a friend, honestly. I'd like to be your friend. But I also have a I feel like I have a solemn responsibility to uh, when I speak in churches to try to warn. Preachers should be be warning as well as encouraging. And so uh, this is more of um, perhaps a just a uh, shot over the, uh, the bow of the ship, so to speak, to help us to maybe awaken us to the direction of our music today and comparing uh, our music in our churches and our music in our homes uh, to whether or not our music aligns with what kind of music God would have us to listen to. Amen? 
Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 18. Very familiar passage. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves. And that's, that means not speaking to yourself, like sometimes uh, people do, such as myself. I'll hear myself talking. You might do that. Talk to yourself. This is not this is not necessarily saying uh, uh, speaking about speaking to ourselves, okay? Uh, in uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We're going to focus our attention uh, uh, on verse number 19 when it talks about when it talks about singing songs. Uh, songs can comprise of two elements: it comprises of words and music. Uh, and so, God here is speaking to uh, those in uh, uh, in uh, Ephesians, um, the church at, at Ephesus, about. Uh, about their songs uh, that they sing, their, even their song services, if you would. Whatever their songs, uh, wherever their songs are being sung, they, uh, uh, they're addressing these and uh, giving them some direction. So I just wanted to give you some, uh, just some uh, guidelines, if you would, about, uh, uh, about uh, guidelines for Christians, uh, uh, Christian songs. Okay, let's just, let's just say that. We know, first of all, that according to the Word of God, that God does place an importance on singing. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, uh, we find two, uh, two verses in Scripture that, uh, that record God singing. One is in, uh, is in Matthew chapter 26, and let's just go ahead and look over there just for a moment. Matthew chapter 26. Now, I'll not have you turn to very many tonight, but I would like you, for you to look at this. Uh, if you'd like to, perhaps, I don't know if you mark your Bible, but it would be a good verse of Scripture to mark. <clears throat> and uh, in verse number 30, now the, the, uh, uh, the context here uh, uh, prior to this is that our Lord Jesus has instituted uh, uh, His, uh, His uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, and uh, uh, Judas Iscariot was not there during this time, so uh, just a little side note. Uh, but uh, he took the bread and broke the bread, and uh, he took the uh, uh, the grape juice there, uh, or whatever juice it was. He he goes on and talks about the, the fruit of the vine later on. He says, "I'll not drink this fruit of the vine with you until the other side." So we know that it wasn't uh, alcoholic. Just another side note there, uh, as the as churches today. Uh, in uh, the southern east, uh, uh, are now moving from unfermented wine to uh, to Mogan David wine, right, uh, or whatever uh, uh, whatever intoxicating uh, uh, wine that there uh, that there is out there by name. I don't know, but uh, anyway, uh, just another thing that uh, the devil is using and the world is using to move the church uh, in a, in a wrong direction. But after they had taken the cup and, uh, and broke the bread, uh, they're getting ready to disperse uh, after, after the Lord's Supper. And verse number 30 says this, And when they, this is including our Lord Jesus here, had sung in Him. One day it dawned on me, the Lord sings. I wonder what kind of a, of, of a voice He had. Oh, a beautiful voice, no doubt. Perfect, perfect voice, no doubt. But uh, God does place an importance on songs because we see here, Jesus didn't do anything haphazardly. He didn't do anything just, you know, just because everybody else was doing it. And so, if he if he saw the importance of singing a song, that tells me that singing song, uh, singing a song, music is uh, is important. Over to uh, look over to Zephaniah now, if you would. Uh, Zephaniah, it's past uh, Genesis, and uh, Zephaniah 
before Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. So Zephaniah chapter 3. And verse number 17, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love. He will joy over thee with singing. And so we have two accounts here of our Lord uh, speaking concerning the subject of singing. Now, if we are to be followers of Christ, then and God Himself uh, sees fit uh, to uh, to participate in singing, then it would behoove us to understand the importance of that, and that we ought to uh, we ought to uh, uh, connect God with singing. Now, what? Now that brings me to a question. Now, if God sings and He places importance on it because He does sing, what kind of songs does God sing? Now, songs uh, consist of two elements, words and music. So, if God sings uh, uh, songs, then the words have to be right words, right? Uh, And that also means that the music has to be the right kind of music. And so, uh, uh, so with that being said, let me just give you some guidelines for Christian songs. Number one, uh, what should a Christian song uh, be? Well, it ought, to, uh, it, it ought to be a song that brings praise to the Lord and not to man. Now, we live in a time that, well, I tell you, our technology has just, just exploded in our days. I mean, there's just so many things that, uh, that uh, men have invented in our society today. Uh, there's, boy, there's weapons of warfare today that are just mind-boggling to me. I'll every once in a while I'll I'll look at the History Channel and I'll see uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, weapons of warfare that are that are going on today that people are, that our militaries are using today. Pretty amazing. Uh, pretty. Impressive, be honest with you. Uh, weapons that, uh, uh, if a person is hiding behind a wall, a foot thick, to keep uh, to keep from being shot, they have weapons now that use that that have special bullets that projectiles, I should say, that are shot out of a rifle that can pass through an opening of a wall, uh, uh, the opening in a wall. And as soon as it gets past the wall, it explodes. I mean, that, to me, that's that's pretty amazing. You know, years ago, you'd just take a big cannonball and just blow everything to smithereens, you know. Uh, just I could sit here and tell you about the technology, but the thing about technology also, uh, uh, when it comes to civilians, I mean, we have such technology today uh, among how we how we produce songs in our day. You know, most uh, songs from artists uh, are filtered so well that their music is just almost pitch perfect and everything. It's just amazing, okay? Also, with technology comes uh, the ability to, um, how shall I say that, to really amplify someone's talent. So we live in a time where uh, we have artists, singing artists, uh, that uh, are almost to a point of being worshipped uh, in in our society. Um, uh, for instance, uh, Elvis Presley's daughter. Uh, I'm sure everybody in this room has known, found out that Elvis Presley's daughter passed away. Elvis Presley's daughter uh, uh, died. Uh, fairly young woman, but her dad was known as the king of rock and roll. How would you like to step out into eternity with that title? No, no, no thank you. Um, the king of rock and roll. i I got to be real careful here that I don't get uh, sidetracked, but our music, our songs... 
to be honorable to the Lord needs to bring praise to God and not to man. Let me just give you some uh, some uh, uh, verses here. The word should praise the Lord. Uh, we find that in Psalm 18, verse number 49. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Psalm 40, in verse number 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Psalm 66, verse six, uh, verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Now, I, 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 use, uh, I use those uh, for emphasizing the importance uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, kind of define, if you would, what uh, good music for, that, that praises God is. It's not so much a talent that we find in our society, and uh, uh, that uh, talent is so elevated today in our society. Uh, sports talent is elevated. Uh, uh, music talent is elevated. People that play instruments is elevated. I mean, you know, great. And, and if, you can't, uh, if you can't play sports and if you can't sing, then it's almost as if you're no good to society in our day. But let me just say to you, when it comes to when it comes to our songs as believers, uh, the number one importance of that song needs to bring praise to God. I like Psalm 66, and I use this often, uh, especially in leading singing and encouraging people to sing, because I firmly believe this. It's not that I, I say this to make fun of anyone who, ha, who has uh, some difficulty, if you would, of, of being on, on, uh, on pitch, on right pitch, or have the right you know, uh, can sing the right note. I firmly believe this when the Bible says, make a joyful noise, that you and I, we are to use our voices, whether it is, it is just oozing with talent or it sounds like an old owl somewhere hooting in the, in the uh, woods, but we are to use that to bring praise to God. Now, if God wanted a beautiful, only those that uh, sing beautifully to sing, Certainly, he would have uh, he would have said so. I like that word noise because everybody qualifies to make a noise. Not a uh, not a uh, uh, not a purposeful, uh, irritating sound, but one that which flows from your heart to sing praise to God. Now, in order to sing praise to God, you got to have words uh, to use to praise Him. Isn't that right? So our songs ought to have some of the best words to bring about praise to our Lord God. The music on, uh, also needs to, which is a carrier of the message, needs to not take away from the message of praise. Amen? So uh, uh, one of the problems of music today, and I still have the problem of explaining the difference between right kinds of music and, and uh, wrong music. Because it's not, you can't read it. It's, it's, it's invisible. It's sound. Some people can hear, uh, can hear sounds uh, much different than others. Some uh, people, like me, am extremely sensitive to music. Uh, I can, matter of fact, uh, years ago, you, my wife can attest to this, when we, uh, we were first married, and uh, I have a background of not good music, and when God saved me, He gave me just an awareness and a sensitivity between the right kinds of music and what I was listening to that never brought one ounce of praise to God. And I could, oh, I could hear that over, even while I was talking, I could hear it. doesn't matter how loud it was, how soft it was. I could hear it. I'd walk out of stores uh, because of a song that I was here. I was uh, that was being played. I just I didn't want to be exposed to that kind of music. I didn't want that flooding my mind. I didn't want it turning over and over in my mind. You know, when you when you hear a song, uh, a lot of times you might whistle along with it and then you forget it. Not me. It'll stay there for hours. I learned uh, I learned how to combat that by immediately bringing up a hymn. That uh, not just a hymn, but a Christ honoring hymn, and I would begin to sing it. 
uh, years ago, you would have heard me in a store that was playing bad music. I would be singing, Amazing Grace. And I'd be going down the aisle singing. Everybody could hear me. I wasn't doing that for show. I was doing that for this, my mind. Because I know, uh, I know what music can do, the wrong kinds of music. Now, I don't want to sing. I don't want to be influenced. Uh, I don't want to participate or condone wrong kinds of music. I want my mind uh, to be in such, a, uh, in such a condition that when I sing, I'm going to be very careful of my selection of songs, and uh, my, si- my singing is going to be the result of a grateful and a spirit-filled heart. We find in Ephesians 5.18, Be be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be ye filled. That's a command. Notice that what is directly attached to that is uh, speaking to yourselves, and we begin, uh, he begins mentioning songs. We have three uh, areas uh, here that uh, the Bible mentions. Psalms, which speaks about our book of Psalms. Not only does God place importance on singing, He gives to us 150 songs, biblical, scriptural. We're talking about ver- uh, uh, verbally inspired words uh, that we can sing. Now, we have lost much of that in our society. Uh, and the way that they, those were sung, they were more like chants. Uh, than uh, what we are so used to today. But we see the, the, that psalms are included there. Uh, God saw fit to, uh, uh, to uh, give to us songs. We never have to have, have uh, 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 lack in, in our songs. He gave us 150. By the way, the book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. I would, I would say that God has, places a high importance on, on songs. Amen? We see hymns. Now, our book uh, here is not the entire amount of, of uh, hymns that, uh, uh, that are known. I, I know Fanny Crosby wrote something like 3,000 hymns or, or more, and that's just one songwriter. But the word hymns here is, is uh, more of a collection of songs that were used in church services, okay? And that's where we get our hymn. That's why we still use a hymnal. We call it a hymnal. And uh, uh, I don't think too many people will take their hymnal home and uh, sing out of their hymnal. Now, it's nothing wrong with that. But the purpose of the, of the hymnal, the book, is so that all that come here and participate in singing to the Lord uh, has the same book, has the same songs, and we can sing it all in unity, amen? And that's a blessing. And then we see the, 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 the word uh, spiritual songs. And that can be a variety of songs outside of the, our hymns, okay, that are not, not any less, than, uh, less important than even our hymns. Uh, most hymns, uh, the collection of most hymns are, are uh, really the favorite uh, among God's people. And so uh, we have a good hymnal. I like the Bible Truth Hymns. Not promoting necessarily the Bible Truth Hymns book, but I am promoting a good hymnal. Amen? Uh, But uh, with every song uh, that we sing uh, ought to bring praise to the Lord and not to man. Uh, So so that uh, the Word should, uh, should praise the Lord. Not only the Word should praise Him, but the way the song is sung should praise the Lord. Do you ever... uh, been in uh, a church service, unfortunately, uh, sometimes you'll have special music. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen some that I'd almost walked out on. Uh, how they, uh, they'll use uh, different techniques in their singing uh, to, to mimic perhaps the world. And by the way, the, uh, there are, there are uh, worldly techniques in, in, uh, in music that appeal to a certain uh, to a certain uh, uh, part of man, um, uh, worldly music uh, is directed solely to the body. That's why. Uh, that's why worldly music moves you, uh, uh, and uh, uh, it moves your body. It 
causes you to do things that you would not normally do. Moves, uh, moves your hips, moves a lot of things. I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm glad I, I, I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm afraid at my age, I tried something like that, I'd probably hurt myself. And of course, just being funny about it, but, but my point is, uh, worldly music points to a specific part of of uh, of man. Spiritual songs are directed to the spirit of man, not to. Not to our body. Now, now music, uh, because it is music, duh, there is an element of it that appeals to our, our bodies, if you would. I mean, we, we will, you know, I mean, I guess sometimes we might pat our hand or tap our foot, maybe even move a little bit, you know. But we're not gyrating, you know. We're not getting up and uh, looking like an, well, not looking like we should. Not acting like we should, okay? But we should bring, not only bring praise to the Lord through our, by the words of, of the song, but the way that song is sung. And I've seen, I've seen uh, people that get up uh, in special music and sing in such a way that you would think you're you're at a concert, and how they scoop their words and uh, and dip their words, and how they, you know, they'll sing a song like. You know they'll come up from the from the bottom. Uh, they call that uh, they call that scooping, and they'll fall off the other end. They call that sliding, and that appeals to the flesh. It's all directed to the appeal of the flesh. That's a worldly technique. Uh, you think of Elvis Presley. I don't really necessarily want to give him any uh, you know any glory here tonight, uh, but uh, the fact is uh, he he became one of the uh, most popular song, uh, uh, singers in America. Because of his technique, and uh, very interesting uh, for us to understand and even be able to uh, to discern that when it comes to music, or else we're just going to continue to be swayed and wooed by the world to a point where we're going to we're going to like that so much. And most Christians today, I'm afraid, uh, consume a regular diet of worldly music to a point. They don't even see or, or, or understand why there's anything wrong with it, and they want it in the church. They love it so much that they want it in the church. So, the way the song is sung should praise the Lord. Uh, not just the song itself, but how we sing that song. If a, if a Christian song is being sung in such a way that it brings attention to the singer, more than the message is designed uh, to bring it, uh, the attention and praise to God, then that, that, that song is not a song that glorifies the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks about uh, our glorifying the Lord when it says in t- verse uh, 31 of chapter 10, "...whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do," and we can put singing under that, "...do all to the glory of God." So it's, it should be... Uh, uh, guidelines for Christian songs should be uh, bring praise to the Lord, not to man. Number two, it should emphasize the melody, not the rhythm. There's three parts to music. There's melody, harmony, and rhythm. Almost every, if not every, worldly song's emphasis is on that third part of music, and that's rhythm. Uh, I could I could give you a song right now. I could not sing a song, uh, but I could give you the music of the world right now, and it's uh, uh, it's it is a what they call an offbeat, uh, where you could clap twice and and stomp your foot. And there's a there's an actual song like this. That's an offbeat. If I did that long enough, you're going to start moving. It 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 moves you to the point of dancing. I I was going to preach on the on the subject of dancing, believe it or not, tonight. I thought, wait a minute, let's just go back another step and talk about something that causes a person to dance. Let me tell you what causes you to dance. 
the wrong kind of music. Oh no, David danced in the Bible. That was not that was not the, the, the dancing we have today. This stuff today is. Uh, I don't want to get uh, uh, too off subject here, but it is uh, very sensual. Uh, uh, a man and a woman are, are rubbing and touching themselves in such inappropriate ways. You cannot, you cannot put that under the category of David's dancing. Um, I relate the dancing that we find in Old Testament to even today there is a, still a culture in the East. Uh, Japan has, has songs that their, their, uh, their young women dance to and it's it's a, they use they use movements to tell a story. We find the story, uh, the song of Miriam uh, after the parting of the Red Sea. She and the, the the women there they get up and dance. That's the kind of dancing that we find in Old Testament. It's those dances that they move and they perhaps will have some some kind of a little um, I don't know uh, picture of some sort to present to tell the story. Uh, of an experience that they've had. And they were telling the story of how God brought them across the Red Sea on dry land. That's what, that's what the... And that was under the category of dancing. Not this sensual, vulgar activity that's being used today. A lot of that's nothing more than foreplay. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, uh, you go to bars and you see the, the, the boot scooting, slow dancing in there. All that is preliminary to what they're there for. So anyway, it should emphasize the melody, not the rhythm. Oh, so what is the melody of a song? Well, it's a tune. And so God here in Ephesians chapter 19, He says, uh, uh, singing and making melody. In other words, the most important part of a song is the melody, the tune of a song. Uh, you have to have rhythm. Rhythm moves the, the song along, but the melody is the primary part that should be emphasized. It should emphasize the melody. You, you, get off, you get off the emphasis of the melody onto rhythm, and now you have, you have uh, songs of our day. And those songs are primarily geared just directly to the flesh, the body. The reason... Uh, for the explosion of rock and roll music, it, 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 the, how, it, uh, how it came on the scene was because of the backbeat it has. Um, I have several examples of songs that I didn't want to bring. They remind me too much of uh, my past, but uh, uh, they, they will write in a song, confess what it is, what's so great about rock and roll music. It's a backbeat. You can't lose it. It's got to be rock and roll music. If you want to dance with me. Number three, it should be doctrinally sound music that glorifies the Lord, that brings praise to God, needs to be absolutely filled with right doctrine. Uh, by the way, uh, whoever, whoever you have as a permanent song leader needs to make sure that the songs that are being sung here are songs filled with the truth. By the way, every almost every songbook over the past several decades now have been written, and some of them in there are general songs. And you'll have you'll have if you're not careful, you'll you'll run across some that that promote baptismal regeneration in them. You got to watch them. Your song leader needs to know those uh, songs and avoid them. Explain them. Uh, you know, if you want to cross out a verse, uh, you know, that's your prerogative. But if I see them, I just don't sing them. Uh, uh, but a song leader is more than just getting up and waving his hand, uh, being in the limelight. He has a, he has a t tremendous responsibility. We ought to sing. Our songs ought to match our preaching. Amen. If our preaching is right and our songs are wrong, then you have, you have, you're speaking two things in your church. We are to speak one thing, uh, the same, always, and that, is, and that is the right thing. That is the Word of God, truth. 
it should be doctrinally sound. Notice in Colossians 3, verse 16, Let the Word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What? Where's the dancing part in there? Where's the, where's the stuff that just makes me feel so good there? It's not. And I'm afraid that so many believers today have been swept away and duped in the matter of music because the, the music that they're listening to and the music that's being sung in, uh, in our churches is that swooing, feel-goody, I call it goo. I mean, they're, they're, what, in, what business does that kind of garbage music have in the churches of our day when we are assembling together for, for the purpose of praising our God, purpose of, uh, of receiving the Word of God, being taught uh, how to walk with God? Why in the world would we think that fleshly music would help accomplish that in our churches? It won't. I'll just tell you right now, it will not. Now, is spiritual songs popular? Not like rock and roll is. Not like the other ones are. Uh, but it is the kind of songs that's comprised of words and music that honors the Lord. It's the kind of songs that God would sing. So if we're singing songs in our churches that God wouldn't sing, then what in the world are we singing them for? It should be doctrinally sound. Every song in our hymnal should be doctrinally sound. Do you know if they are? Have you tried the spirits, so to speak? Have you tried... Have you looked at this hymnal? You ought to. It's your responsibility too. Certainly more responsibility on the song leader uh, than anyone else, but you ought to be you ought to be looking. Most songs that are chosen in our churches today, uh, uh, when we have uh, when churches have favorite uh, times, uh, they'll they'll choose a song that they really like the music, but they know they don't remember too much about the words. Well, that, that's a problem with that, isn't there? If the words, if the music doesn't carry the message uh, from the words, then maybe something's not right there. Maybe the music is doesn't really match the message. I don't know. I just know this: when we sing songs, they, those songs ought to be to the praise of God from a heart. Of, of gratitude. But if we don't know the songs that we're wanting to sing, if we don't know the words, then more than likely we are just attached to the tune of that song. We like the sound of Nothing wrong with the sound. I mean, you, you've got to have music appeals to the ear. I'm not saying it's, it should be dull and boring. I'm just saying... If the music overpowers the message, then maybe our choice of the song is strictly appealing to our ear and not our heart. Then lastly, and I'll be done, guidelines for Christian songs. These are just four four simple basic things. There's probably so many more things. I Actually, years ago I preached a series on, on music and uh, but uh, this is just one uh, of the messages. Uh, number four, it should be spiritual and not fleshly music. And I've been alluding to it, touching on it. Uh, in, in Colossians 3.16, which I'd already read, it says that uh, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, the songs that, that bring glory to God are the songs that speak to the spirit of man. We are new creatures in Christ. We're new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That all things includes the new songs that God's people should be wanting to sing, wanting to express their love and, and uh, gratefulness and devotion to God, wanting to uplift His name, 
above all names, not wanting attention brought to ourselves, but but uh, in praise and adoration to Him, lift our voices high, not screaming, not yelling as a bunch of uh, heathen, but uh, uh, unashamed to call our God, God. Unashamed to praise His name in song. That's a, that's a spiritual songs. Oh, there's plenty of uh, worldly songs. There's plenty of fleshly songs, no doubt about that. The spiritual songs are directed to the spirit of man, songs that teach truth and encourage faith to follow God. That's the kind of, that's the kind of uh, uh, songs that we ought to ascribe to. That's the kinds of songs in, at Keith the Heights that they ought to strive for. Kinds of songs that lift our lift our spirits. So we're talking about encouraging our hearts as believers, strengthening uh, ourselves ourselves to continue the fight. We have a fight to fight. Anybody in here uh, like to fight when you were lost? This is the wrong kind of fight. It's the good fight. It's the fight of faith. God uses, and I'm not saying that music is inspired, but if it if it entails uh, truth. Truth is truth. God is a God of truth. And uh, we are to fight the good fight. We are to finish that course. And I, let me just say to you, uh, there are times in my own personal life where music, uh, songs of praise and adoration of the Lord lifted my spirits and encouraged my heart and caused me to Draw close to God back in His Word. I'm telling you, the right kinds of music will draw you to Scripture because it's already, it's already scriptural truth. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of music that God's people ought to be, uh, ought to be continually uh, uh, listening to, not the worldly crowd. It, listen, uh, worldly music is a, a detriment to, God's, uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the Christian walk of believers. Spiritual songs are directed to the spirit of man Fleshly songs, on the other hand, solely emphasize feelings. It's very touchy-feely songs. Very touchy-feely. Most of those songs, worldly songs, they have a, a couple characteristics. One is they're usually slow songs. Now, not all slow songs are bad, but most fleshly songs, they sing them slow. And most fleshly songs are all about self, how I feel. Well, my feelings change. When I get up in the morning, I have a different feeling than, I've, than I have about 9 o'clock in the morning. When I didn't have a good night's sleep and I'm up at 3.30 in the morning, I don't feel very spiritual. You don't want me to write a song at 3.30 in the morning when I've had a bad night's sleep. It's not going to be spiritual. It's going to be about me and my problems. The world has problems. The world is sad. The world has no joy. The greatest experience of the world is is fleshly love. That's all they have. And most of those times are spent sad because the relationship in that in that uh, in that has its rocky road. Many love songs are about heartbroken writers. Worldly music is sad. There ought not to be sad music in our churches. We haven't, we haven't anything to be sad about. Even, even when you read the Psalms, and you'll find some very, uh, very uh, uh, difficult times that the writer is experiencing, and he pens those words, but, but you finish that Psalm, and somewhere in that Psalm you'll find that the writer went from despair or discouragement to hope. Our songs ought to be filled with the hope of what's coming. Our songs ought to be filled with the faith 
that we can believe and trust our God no matter what comes our way, no matter how hard the times come, no matter what we're experiencing at the time. God is over all. He's in control of all. He's working all things for the good of us. My, why would we want to exchange that kind of truth in songs to some old worldly fleshly song I don't do not know that that encourages sadness. You know, years ago I heard the the uh, the, the joke about what 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 happens when you when you play uh, uh, country music backwards. You get your you get your your your, your uh, you get your dog your truck and your woman back. Never heard that. What does I tell you? Most country songs, at least years ago, was about losing their dog, losing their truck, and losing their woman. Why in the world would we, would we want to sing a song like that? God help us to understand the importance of Christ honoring music. It's for our benefit. It's for His glory. <laughs> I got to stop there. Father, thank you for your blessings. Now. Lord, I, I hope that this, uh, this message tonight will not have fallen on deaf ears, that, that our hearts have not already been uh, so entrenched with the world's uh, music and its philosophies that we've just tuned out the importance of our Christ-honoring music and songs in our churches. Uh, songs that, Lord, that are there to uplift our spirits, that are there to encourage us in faith. They're there to, to just uh, uh, blow the trumpet to, that says, listen, uh, the race is still about us. We need to keep running. But the finish line is a day shorter than it was yesterday. We're almost there. Just Let's just keep going. Lord, help us to incorporate the kind of music that uh, in our own personal lives and in our churches that honor you, that please you, that glorify your name. Now, Father, bless us as we go to our homes. Give us safety as we travel, and we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.